the more deals you do with somebody, you, you understand their character, you understand the way that they negotiate, you look at right. the projects that they do, and if those projects are successful, if they've had problems, how do they deal with those problems? That means a lot in business, you 100%. know? And, and same thing, I, I'm sure that's why your investors are comfortable with you guys, because, you know, if you are performing and you are kissing in communication, like everything's nice when everything's nice, right? But right. it's when there are problems that people will judge you how you deal with those problems. Hello and welcome back to the Smartest Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm Jaquita. And today, as promised, we have a very special guest. We're finally bringing on another fellow private money lender, uh, Helen, all the way from our friends up north in Canada. He's from Toronto, Canada. Please welcome David Steinfeld to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, we're super <laughs> excited. Like I said, you're the first private money lender, so we can we both speak the same language. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Well, don't leave out some of his accolades. He's also a mortgage broker. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Pretty <laughs> awesome. There. Thank you. Thank you. I've actually yeah. been mulling over getting my um, my my loan originator originator license. So that's kind of cool too, just to kind of get that started. So I think it's pretty cool to be able to do both, right? You can do your private lending and then maybe even potentially roll some of those into some long-term uh, lending as well. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, a big part of it is just, you know, like you said, uh, you know, other guests on uh, the podcast have been, you know, multi-unit uh, buyers or, uh, uh, you know, agents. The more you know in the industry and the more you understand the other parts that will obviously interact with what you do as your main sort of focus you know, uh, it, it makes you stronger at, uh, specifically in private lending, makes you stronger at evaluating a deal, right? Right. Yes. 100%. Yes. Whenever somebody asks for a loan from me, I'm always thinking, how am I going to get my money back, right, at the end of the day? <laughs> how are they actually going to pay me? So knowing what banks might entertain a loan in the future and the mm -hmm. steps to get there are uh, yeah. a really big uh, risk mitigator. Yeah. Right, right. Just so let's, confident. Yeah, so let's get a little bit of your background, David. So, um Interested to know, how did you get started in real estate, like, as a whole? Yeah, and how long have you been doing this? Yeah, great question. Um, kind of fell in my lap, actually, <laughs> which I've seen it happen to a lot of people. Right. It's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and, uh, I'll try and sum it up. So um, sure. my dad used to be in uh, IT, uh, information technology. He worked for companies like, you know, Oracle, um, some of the big, like, uh, database companies and uh, storage uh, in particular. He lost his job in the recession of uh, 2008, and he went into business with one of his cousins who was in uh, the mortgage lending business. Now, they did only mortgage lending, so private mortgage lending, where um, you know they're not connecting people with banks or credit unions or or um, you know sort of a, what we call in Canada B lenders, which are like second tier lenders. They're doing only private money from like hard money loans, kind of you guys would call it in the U.S. Right. Um, my dad's from New York, by the way, so I got some some American in me. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, um, uh, so my dad got into that business, and I uh, was working at the time, and I was investing with him. So I gave him like you know ten thousand dollars, all my savings at the time, and he was giving me a return on my money of about ten percent, and that was great at the time, right? Um, it's incredible, and you know I didn't really ask so many questions because I was. Uh, more into like marketing and I went to business school. So I was sort of uh, still in school at the time and focusing on that. Um, fast forward, I had a few different jobs and I decided that I wanted to go back and do my MBA, um, like, you know, graduate degree. 
and uh, got into one of the uh, top schools in Canada. And I spent some time there thinking I was going to be an investment banker uh, because I love finance. Mm-hmm. Um, I love math. I love, uh, you know, a personal retail finance and investing. So I said, hey, this is a great career for me. Turns out while I was doing my MBA, I learned I didn't really want to be an investment banker. <laughs> mm. um, and so one summer when I had, uh, you guys can hear me clearly, right? Like yeah, definitely. sound audio is good. Yep. Awesome. Great. Um, one summer I wrote an application for my dad's website. Um, and what it would do is it would take a uh, contact information and it would send me an email. And then I would give that email to my dad or some of other, his colleagues that uh, he worked with, and they would try and go, uh, you know, close a loan for those people. And mm. they would pay me referral fees just for setting this up, uh, this new lead generation form. So I was getting a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. One time I got a check for $1,200 and I said, wow, you know, uh, I spent one <laughs> afternoon doing this. And if this guy's giving me, you know, $1,200 in referral fee, how much is he making on this loan? So I investigated a little bit more. And when I finished business school, instead of going and getting a job at a bank or, uh, you know, working in consulting, I ended up getting my mortgage license. Um, so I've never been a real estate agent, mm-hmm. but I got my mortgage agent's license, which is like the equivalent of like the uh, NLMS, you know, the loan right. officer mm-hmm. uh, designation. And uh, yeah, from there, I learned all about the business relationships with the banks. I learned more about the private lending. And that was my sort of, uh, that's how I got into the business. And that was about, 10 years ago now. Nice. Nice. Great backstory there. And you said something that was interesting. And I was telling Marcus about this uh, right before the interview. We were listening to one of your past interviews. And um, one thing that, and like you said, it's always good to know all the other moving parts and every, what, role everyone else plays in a deal. Mm -hmm. What I did not know about um, what you do is that you can take, a private money lender and have them create a mortgage on someone's personal home. I always, I've, we always look at private lending from a investor perspective. Yeah, like a fix and flip um, or a new construction it, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So yep. we found that very, very interesting. So um, I, I just thought that was, that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's much less risky, right? So it's a, uh, it's really like in finance, the cost of debt and the cost of equity. So as a as an owner, you know, giving away equity is more expensive than giving away debt. But the reason for that is that it's more expensive to to like investors require a higher return on equity than on debt. Because yep. debt, you're like promising to repay me, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of even if you screw up, uh, I don't know how you're swearing. We swear a lot in Canada, so I'll try. I'll try <laughs> oh, not to swear no, unless you fine, guys. You're say fine here. Something. You're fine here. Okay, okay, this cool. is a safe space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. So I mean, you know, if uh, if a borrower, if an, if uh, you know, if a flipper like fucks up their deal, you know, um, somebody who's in bed with them as a partner with an equity piece is going to have to suffer, whereas yep. the debt gets paid back or is supposed to be paid back, you know, before any equity gets paid back. So yep. you know, that's uh, it's a lower risk uh, asset class, and for me, it's where I. I like to stick because I still think the returns are really high. You know, like yeah. to make 10% on your money is pretty good. Do I really need to make 20 or 30 and, and go out and try and buy more properties and leverage and take on a lot of risk? For me, no. Uh, other people do and can, and it absolutely makes sense. But that's not like my business. I, I don't really know much about like renovations and like, uh, yep. you know, creating poro formas and dealing with investors to buy properties. So I'm straight up just, uh, I remove myself from that level of risk and I sit like what I consider like the next level lower risk, which also comes with lower returns, obviously, as a, as a debt holder. So right. 
everything I'm doing, I'm always on a uh, title um, of somebody's home. So it's always on the title as a mortgage, uh, you know, mortgage holder. And they've got to pay me back before they make any changes, before they sell the property, remortgage the house, do whatever they want to do. You know, I'm always going to get paid back. So that's nice. a comfort for me. Nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's for like sure. my the, exactly what you said is exactly what we explained when we're going for like private investors to invest in our fund. Uh, because the way we're set up is we have a fund and we have a pool of investors who invest in that fund and we take it. And because we we do have that background, the fix and flip and new construction, yep. we're able to yep. take that pool of funds and lend it out. And as you know, new investors come to us, we're pretty much word of mu- word of mouth now, and they're like, "Hey, I heard it. You're doing this. Can you tell me a little about a little bit about it?" Um, we always uh, bring up the debt piece. The debt get paid first that's like yeah. our go-to and once we yeah. drive that point home they're like you can take my money like take it off yeah. like it makes so much sense <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to everything else where there, you know there are a lot of you know different structures where people are building funds and things like syndication where yeah. you know even with multifamily, you you're gonna take out a loan on that um on that property and even when you have like your common investors your preferred investors that bank that who or that private source, they they come first in that capital stack, yeah. So yeah. that's like our <laughs> our go to for like you know bringing on new investors and explaining what we do and why it's so great. Um, of course. So when we're getting that's into awesome. like you know because we're, we're talking about like what you do and things like that from an underwriting perspective, I'm, I'm curious to know like what's more important to you? Is it like the property itself? Or is it like the character of the person borrowing, like the borrower's character? That's a great question. And I mean, um, I'm going to say the property is more important. It, it should it. be more important because you always want to, uh, I got a good piece of advice from kind of a mentor. He said, you always need to underwrite a loan as if they're going to default on the first payment. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. you know, as, as much as character is, is very important. And I think that's a, that's like a piece to this. You know, um, I might take a little bit more risk on the property if the character sort of justified that and if I really believed in that person. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, uh, characters can can trick you and, uh, you know, they can tell you one story and it might look like that and they might be able to pull, you know, uh, not 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 even willingly, but, you know, they might believe something and then and then. There could be an issue with either their income stream or that they've extended themselves or they haven't been completely truthful with you. The property value and its location doesn't really lie, you know, and it's very um, objective. So I think for me, the number one thing that I look at is the value of the security and the, you know, encumbrances against it. So how much how much the capital stack makes up as a percentage of the uh, value of that property or like the, the debt stack rather. Right. Um, right. You know, cause that's my primary concern. If there's equity in the property, like if the borrower drops dead or if they have a huge life event or like something, mm-hmm. I'm always safe with stuff with equity in the property. Exactly. Um, that being said, like if I did something, I do a lot of bridge loans. So I've got loans where I've done, uh, I just did a loan like earlier this month uh, for 10 days. The guy is like, a, actually, he's a fix and flipper, right? Mm-hmm. And he's buying, he actually owns three houses on this one street. And uh, he was selling one, which he was living in and moving to the next one. And he sold the existing one with the fridge and all his appliances, washing machine and all of that. <laughs> and the new place didn't have any of the appliances yet. So I gave him a $50,000 loan so that he could go buy. It wasn't just the appliances, but it was like finishing the kitchen and everything, the cabinets. And 
countertops because it'll cost them 50 grand. And I lent him that money at probably what I would consider a very, very high risk um, in terms of the value. Right. Right. Exactly. But his property was sold under firm contract, which means like it's very unlikely that the buyers would walk away. Mm -hmm. Closing dates like financing was in place. I did all the checks on that end. So I gave him what would be considered a very risky loan. But I, I, I mitigated that by having it short term, by, you know, looking at other things, character included, because he was a reference from a he was a referral from a friend of mine who had done business with this guy for like 10 years. So he's not just like trying to screw me over, right? Um, so you know, I did make an exception there, and I do make exceptions, but it's a hell of a lot less stressful when you don't have to make you don't have to worry about character as much because you've just got a ton of equity in the property, right? Yeah. Right, right. That's very important. And yeah. um, so you you said the property is uh, very important when um, looking at you know underwriting as well as the character are there any other ways uh to maximize uh on the amount than that a person can borrow from you yeah great question um history so you know i will i will do higher risk loans for people that i've done two or three loans with before so like you know to your audience uh and you know to your investors mm -hmm. um or even you know people you guys deal with you know it's it's very important to build a relationship right the more deals you do with somebody you, you understand their character you understand the way that they negotiate you look at right. the projects that they do and if those projects are successful if they've had problems how do they deal with those problems you know and sort of uh that that means a lot in business yes right? so um you 100%. know and, and same thing I, i'm sure that's why your investors are comfortable with you guys because you know if you are performing and you are kissing in communication like business is going to be uh everything's nice when everything's nice right but right. it's when there are problems that people will judge you how you deal with those problems and coming in the next nine months you know you might see projects where we don't make as much money or or times when uh, if you guys are lending money also you know borrowers need extensions or you know some sort yep. of other um like accommodations and the way that you treat those so that you help your borrowers, you know, get out of a jam or achieve what they want, but also protect your investors. That means a lot to how, uh, you know, um, trustworthy, dependable and how good you are as a business person. Right. So, right, exactly. You know, seeing that track record and, and seeing how you deal with problems would uh, would I think uh, allow people to go personally. Like I, I lend higher amounts and a little bit of a higher risk when I have an, when I have a long relationship with someone. Yep. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm using my takeover spirit. Sorry, Mark. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's flowing now. <laughs> so, so David, I, as Marcus mentioned, we're investors, uh, private money lenders, as well as I am a realtor. And I deal with a lot of first-time buyers. Uh, and then I see things from perspective of an investor. Um, so, and... A lot of times when I'm dealing with those first-time buyers, uh, the main thing is down payment assistance and how can I get my down payment as low as possible. Mm -hmm. So yep. I just wanted your thoughts on um, what do you think about zero down payment purchases overall? Yeah, uh, you know what? I'll have to ask you a couple questions when I speak to this because I'm not quite sure how the rules work uh, specifically in the state of Texas and, okay. and also just in the USA in general. Mm -hmm. But in, in, in Canada, the way it typically works is the minimum down payment for a purchase is is five percent. Uh, that's what that's what they ask for, and these are government rules. So this is like across Canada, and the rule with that accompanies that is that 
If you put down less than 20% of the purchase price, you've got to buy mortgage default insurance. It is paid for by the borrowers, by the buyers, and it's a one-time fee that's added to the mortgage amount. So it's not like a monthly payment or anything like that. One-time fee gets added to the loan. So if we use a rough example, let's say you're purchasing for a half a million dollars. Mm -hmm. You want to put down 5%, so that's $25,000. Your insurance premium would probably be about nineteen dollars to $20,000. So your mortgage would usually be, you know, 500 minus your 5% is 475, but actually your mortgage would be closer to 495 at the outset because that insurance premium that is paid to the government owned insurance company, we only have, we have kind of three insurance companies, but the one that backstops everything is owned by the government. It's called CMHC. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which I think is kind of like, I don't know, maybe Fannie Mae or Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pretty Mac, like you guys, yep. like they, they do yep. mortgage insurance, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, so they're owned by the government and, uh, and, and basically you have almost no equity when you, when you, uh, you know, when you pay that, uh, when you pay that insurance premium. Yeah. So I don't like in that. Canada, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. But you know, we all hope real estate goes up and your equity yeah. builds. I mean, if you bought sure. anything in Canada in the last five years, you're laughing because, uh, you know, the real estate values are, are so much higher than they were. Yep. You've built a lot of equity, even if you put down as little as 5%. So that being said, that's the way it usually works. Some lenders, though, allow you to do this thing called flex down, which is where you borrow the down payment from another source. So you can't actually get a mortgage for 100% of the purchase price. Mm-hmm. But if you, say, qualified to carry a line of credit, let's say your income is really good, but like maybe you got that job recently and you know you weren't able to save up a big down payment, but you qualified to carry a line of credit, some lenders will allow you to borrow against that line of credit and put that down. So wow. how do I feel about that? Sorry. Did you have a question, Marcus? No, I just said, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, uh, your your question was kind of how do I feel about that? I don't love paying mortgage insurance because it's a sunk cost and it's a very large cost in Canada. Um, You know, that money goes out the window. And if you look at a return, you know, that 20 grand, if you put down like the extra 15%, you wouldn't have to pay it. Mm -hmm. So 20 grand uh, as a return on your extra 15% you would have had to pay usually equates to like over 10% return. So, and that's a sure thing, right? So it's very hard to make a 10% sure thing return. Mm -hmm. So I don't love having to pay those insurance premiums, but that being said, you know, if you got a low down payment, but you're actually earning enough income to qualify and it helps you get into the real estate market, many people who did that made lots and lots of money in the last five years, right? So who am I to say that that's wrong? Fundamentally, in finance, if, if you have a very good chance of earning a return, I like leverage. I'm a young guy. You know, I'm 35, yep. which I consider still pretty young, but I don't know if I'm younger than you guys still too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, older than you guys. <laughs> I meant older. Sorry. You guys look a lot younger. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I still consider myself young and I have a very risk. Uh, I'm very comfortable with risk as you can tell by the lending and, right. you know, whatever other real estate investments I do. So I, I like it if it makes sense and it allows you to buy into a project where you can get some, instant equity or like you know you know what you're doing so you can flip this and yeah. you're going to get right. a really great after renovation value mm-hmm. i i don't mind it because i'm very comfortable with leverage so really yeah. it just you got to have the right skill set you got to pick the right uh thing to invest in yeah. and then yeah if you can finance the whole thing that's good for you <laughs> you know right 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 oh, that's 
That's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, a, the rules are it's certainly they're, different. They're a little bit different, but um, I know we, we have we like the have interest insurance and yeah. yes, they're government backed, and um, the minimum down payment is a lot lower here. We're, we're three and a half percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with that, you definitely still have that mortgage insurance. So yeah, and then yeah. we're having like this and, thing where you're talking about the other day where there people are buying down their uh, interest rates. Yeah, we, we're allowed to buy down our interest rates here. I'm not sure if you guys are allowed to. do How that. many you do that? Like if you buy it down like with uh, cash or yeah, yeah. you buy it down with <laughs> oh cash wow or like if you're doing like a if you're purchasing a new bill you know how they offer all these incentives and um you know money towards closing and all this yep. you can use that to actually buy down your interest rates with oh that's cool yeah. so so rather than getting like all the upgrades and the fixings inside the house you can just use yeah. that cash that they're giving you for that to buy down your interest rate amazing yeah. I like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we were talking. Yeah. One thing I wanted to tell you guys too is, you know, in Canada, we actually almost nobody takes longer than a five-year mortgage. So, and what I mean by that, not amortization, but interest rate contract term. So, this is a big thing. I've known this for years. So, in Canada, we typically take twenty-five or thirty-year amortizations. So that's like mm -hmm. you know the pace at which you pay off the loan, right. twenty-five or thirty years. But the interest rate term is usually five years. Five years is like the flagship term that everyone competes on. So right now our five-year rates are about like five and a half percent, close to six, and that's only for five years. After five years, you have to renegotiate. So I know with you guys, it's like fifteen or thirty, right? And then your right. amortization is also based on that period. So right. we we don't lock in rates for that long. So that's also like probably makes our market a little more volatile oh, so because yeah. <laughs> like what's happening right now is the last 10 years have been very low interest rates. Yeah. And now people are, you know, they, they came off a 2% mortgage rates, yep. you know, or 3% because we did have very low ones. Cause I mean, you guys probably didn't have as low as we had at certain times because you know, you're 15 or 30 years. So there's longer exposure there, but we had five year terms. I got my brother a mortgage for 1.79%. Yeah, we had them, uh, we had them that low yeah. here. Um, it was very short lived, though. <laughs> yeah. It was a yeah. couple That's months, amazing. and there were a couple yeah. people who yeah. were on the yeah. offense and were able to get in at that yeah. Uh, yeah. interest rate. Um, wow. not not a whole lot in the one percent, but definitely for sure, um, two percent. Yeah, uh, we yeah. Saw, saw a lot That's of those last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say like from like, was it like from February to like. April or something like that, something then that was like it. That. But yeah, that, yeah. that's crazy. I, 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 I've never, I, I had no idea that you guys yeah. <laughs> uh, had to basically renegotiate your interest rate after yeah. five yeah. years. Um, yeah, every five years. If you want a 10 year term, the rates are much higher. Like today, a 10 year term would probably be 6% plus. But uh, you it know, sounds us. like your interest rates are a lot lower than what we are here in the States because right now we're we're well into the six and sevens. Um, oh, yeah. Average. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and that's how it could be, right? So, mm -hmm. those people that we had at 2% are coming up for renewal right now at 5.5, and their payments are going up 30%, you Ouch. know, uh, for a lot of people. Like, I mean, that's unaffordable. So, right. are they going to lose their houses? You know, we're, we're getting the cash ready for opportunities in the next uh, six to nine months, you know? <laughs> that's yeah. how real estate goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, with that, um, we want to talk about risk then um, because that's obviously a big risk just with purchasing overall in Canada, it sounds like. So what are some of the biggest risks that you see uh, in real estate overall? Yeah, good question. Um, what happened in the last two years was this thing that we called drive until you qualify, right? So I live in Toronto, one of the, or I live north of the city, but I'll call it Toronto. 
you know, <laughs> um, it's, you know, uh, the most populous city in Canada and one of the most expensive cities in Canada. And mm -hmm. what people uh, were doing was, you know, they're driving outside of the city as far as they can go until they qualify. As you get further, Toronto is, sits on a lake. It's kind of like Chicago. You know, uh, we got a lake on the whole south side of our city. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, um, you know, you got to go north in order to get away from the, the city center and to get cheaper prices like into suburbs. And from Toronto, there's like a couple big cities around, but like nothing like a, nothing like even close to the scale of Toronto. So realistically, the farther you go from the city center, the cheaper it gets. And so people would drive until you qualified. But what ended up happening there was, you know, it used to be you could buy a property in Toronto, let's say a condo for 500000 Now they're all over 600 whatever. And you used to be able to buy, like you can't buy a house in Toronto, like a detached home, you know, for less than a million and a half dollars. So, yeah, it's really expensive. So as you, as you like push out, now those same people that had a million and a half dollars, or let's say 1.2 million that couldn't buy in Toronto, so they drive a half an hour north, and now you can buy for 1.2. But then those people were competing, and they went up to 1.5 in that neighborhood. So then to go for 1.2, you drove another half an hour, and further and further and further. So what happened is, in the last two years, we've had property values, like let's say an hour from the city, double. Whoa. And those places, so when you say like risks, the risk is in valuation risk because there's, you know, it's affordability of the new buyers. Mm -hmm. There's also all sorts of government regulation coming in that's restricting foreign buyers in Canada. So we have a lot of uh, immigration is a big uh, driver for the Canadian economy. And uh, what comes with that is also like foreign investment. So like a lot of a lot of countries where it's difficult to get your money out of or people want to like hide their money, mm -hmm. like China, like India, like Russia, um, you know, these guys are bringing money into Canada and buying property because it's fairly stable. So we're actually, as of January 1st, there's a foreign buyer ban for two years. You don't live in Canada and you're not a resident. You cannot buy a Canadian property for two years Ooh. starting January 1st. And there were taxes associated with being a foreign buyer. And those went up, you know, last month as well. So we're trying to deter foreign buyers, which really means less buyers. So that means lower prices, less bidding. Right, right, right exactly. And the real risk is like, you know, values coming down in all these places that got bid up because people were desperate and, you know, they got to work from home. So it was okay for them to live far out of the city. Yep. And uh, these places where no one would really want to live, like not that no one wants to live there, but like, you know, they're more on the outskirts. They're like, you know, the people who are willing to pay a million dollars, there are going to vanish. Right. That's now they can get a million dollars closer to the city. That's so crazy um, to see the similarity in our markets yes. because um, I'm just talking from a Houston perspective. Um, the Canada market sounds like it's very similar to Houston, except where you guys have uh, foreign buyers or foreign investors coming in. We normally have people that are coming from different markets, like yeah. within the states, like you get Californias and, and New York's, New York's and, yeah. where their market is much more expensive than ours. Therefore, yeah. they can afford a lot more than the average Texan can, and yep. they're willing to pay it. Um, doesn't yeah. matter what it's really worth. It's less than what they pay where they are. Yep. <laughs> and it's just yep. driving home <laughs> prices up to ridiculous amounts. I mean, I mean some parts of Houston we would never thought that homes would be that price and they're well above that now. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. and I see I'm looking at Houston on a map now and I see, you know, you've got like the southeast, you know, the border of the of the Gulf, right? And yeah. uh, you got a push like in all directions. Like I see like stories like, you know, Anglican, that's how you pronounce it, Western India, or you gotta go past you know, the Rosenberg and you gotta go like 
far out you know, <laughs> to get it. And that's mm-hmm. what they were doing. Just like, like, if you look at Houston on a map, it's like someone dropped a water balloon in the middle and it's just kind of spread out, right? Yep. In <laughs> direction. Yep. So uh-huh. that's the same. Yeah, exactly the same thing here. <laughs> that's uh, crazy. So, you know, those neighborhoods that you'd be surprised if they really went up. Yeah. Yep. That those places are coming down fast. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Same. Same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so, getting back to uh, note before uh, <laughs> we went off on the 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 traditional lending route, we were talking about like you know building relationships and things like that. And I'm I'm we're honestly curious to know like are you lending from like a pool of investors, kind of like how we described, or are you using like your own funds or maybe a hybrid of both, or how are you going about? Um, like yeah, great question. Your, your Hybrid is the answer. Hybrid gotcha. is the answer. So uh, I've been doing my fund for about seven years, and I started off with just uh, some individual investor money. Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm also structured in kind of two different ways. So I'll tell you a bit about my business, how I get like clients. Okay. In, so in my private lending business, I get clients from other loan officers. So they will come to me and they'll say, you know, David, I need a bridge loan or I need a guy who won't qualify with any of the traditional lenders. So, uh, you know, he comes with an ask, a proposal, I counter with like an offer, and then, you know, we potentially do a deal. So um, my fund is like a registered corporation, and I borrow money from friends, family, investors in that corporation. I also sign for everything personally, so not a lot of people do that, but I do because I'm not like, my scale is not huge. I mean, it's it's big, like my fund is about 12 to 15 million bucks, like, kind of at any given time, nice. um, Canadian dollars. Um, and, uh, but I'm not like out there soliciting for f- money. Actually, like it would be illegal if I did, I'd probably get in trouble with the regulators. Right. So I get the money from friends and family and my own money. And like most of it is in there. And I run all my income through that one company, um, like from my mortgage brokering stuff as well. So uh, I'm always just trying to grow that fund and, and make good loans. So um, I do all the underwriting myself and I raise the money from the investors in that fund. But sometimes I have loans that don't fit the bucket of my company. There's only two reasons that I would give a loan to another investor. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I call up one of my partners. Maybe he already gave me a hundred grand or a couple hundred grand. And, you know, but I know he has like 2 million bucks. He does his own lending on the side. I say, you know, uh, Mr. Jones, you know, do you want to lend on this property? Because of, because I can't. And why can't I? Only two reasons. The return is too low mm-hmm. or I have no more money. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, so I don't like to give riskier deals. If something's too risky for me, I usually don't give it to any of my investors because I don't want the headache to deal with that. I don't mm-hmm. want to like, you know, have a loan go uh, into default and have to stick handle that. I've done that in the past. It's a waste of resources yep. and it's a stressful thing. I take everything very personally. So yeah. if one of my investors loses a dollar, like that's my, like it's, you know, I take it very personally um, and, you know, it hasn't happened yet. Knock on wood. Right. So yeah. um, I would only give it to other investors. Sometimes if the return is too low. So sometimes we got some folks like, uh, you know, downsizing, they got no mortgage, but they want a uh, six months to buy a cottage and they don't want to sell their home yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe they only need a mortgage to less than half of what the property is worth. I consider that very low risk. Right. So mm-hmm. those people for low risk, they also expect them to pay a low rate because very, very like what I would call bulletproof loan, right? right? So then I have other investors who really like low risk and they're okay with the lower return than I can afford in my fund. Obviously in my fund, I'm paying my investors. So they have a, a return. It's uh, between seven and 8%. Mm-hmm. 
um, what I'm paying my investors currently. Yep. Uh, and I, I might have to turn that up as interest rates go up and I'm allowed to charge a higher rate. But, you know, in COVID, like the market was very competitive. So my rates were even even lower at, at those times. I was writing private loans. I, I wrote loans at 7%. Um, so all I did was make like a loan fee for some of the loans. Um, That's true. But yeah, as that's going up, um, you know, I'll pay my investors a little bit more. But uh, yeah, if my cost is seven or eight, and uh, a borrower, you know, reasonably expects a six percent, which like we're talking last year's prices, you know, six percent, um, then I would pass it on to an investor because it's just not enough return for me to do it in my fund. Right, right, and that makes that makes a ton of sense because you know, not only do you, you know, not want to put like your investors um, and your partners in a bad spot, but if it does go belly up, then we were just talking about relationships, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely put a strain on on the relationship for that. I know, like for us, we've we have gone through uh, you know a couple of losses now. We've we've been in business and in the flipping and lending business for roughly six years, and um, that. I would I think there's been three times where we've lost money. Not lost money in a sense to where we didn't make as much as we thought we were going to make. I mean like true negative. Yeah, and yeah. It, and our our investors were still protected. They we even still paid them their return. Yeah. Like they didn't it wasn't like a break even. Hey, we we had this conversation. Here's what we agreed on. And yeah, we even yeah. took on the loss of even paying them that interest on their return and not yeah. even having them break in uh, even because, you know, investor relationships are important and investors are, I don't, I don't know if I can, but in the U S investors are hard to come by. So you want to yeah. keep yeah. them happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the investing world is very small. So right. <laughs> yeah. Your name like, will get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. And I mean, doesn't that say something about your character and about like your investors trusting you? If you are these types of people who didn't just say, Oh, too bad. We fucked up. Right. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. You know, that's a lot of integrity, not even just making them you know whole and making it even, but uh, you know, paying them the returns that you had, uh, you know, hoped for. I, I think that's incredible. And it does, it does make a difference. Like, uh, you know, I do all sorts of investments. So I made a private equity investment with a company that's uh, sorry, it's like a little off topic, but oh, you know, you know, the, the, the world of investing is very broad and yes. I'm very opportunistic, right? So if someone comes my way and I think that it's a smart play, mm-hmm. I'm not just, I mean, I love real estate and I know it very well, but I got to diversify a little bit because I don't want to miss, you know, opportunities. Absolutely. So I invested with a buddy of mine who's the smartest guy that I know. And he, uh, it's sort of like a private equity investment. So, I mean, it is a private equity investment. They are running a company, um, which they're actually modeling it after a U.S. company that was called Thrasio, which is a company that buys uh, Amazon sellers. And basically, it's like private equity for Amazon. So I don't know if you guys have any experience with Amazon, but it's crazy to deal with them, you know, fulfilled by Amazon. And there's all of these different rules about how to compete and how reviews are important and how you, you know, deal with your competitors. Mm -hmm. So uh, private equity firms were buying up these Amazon companies and basically, you know, giving them like expert marketing, like supply chain, negotiation, improving the value of these companies who already had significant revenues. So Mm -hmm. essentially like private equity in the little sandbox that is Amazon. So my buddy started a company to do that and I made an investment with him and he basically told me, you know, if I fuck this up, my my career in private equity is pretty much over. Oh. <laughs> so, and that's because, like, some of his – he used to actually work um, – you guys have, like, Shark Tank. You know what Shark Tank is, right? Yeah. So, 
we have one in Canada called Dragon's Den. It's like the same type of thing. And uh, and my buddy worked for like a hedge fund, which was owned by one of the dragons. So he's also an investor. And, you know, like you guys said, reputation is so important. If my buddy's investment screwed up, which like, you know, it's not doing so well because the economy is not so good mm -hmm. and there's supply chain issues. You know, if it if it messes up and over like uh, I think it's a five year, five to seven year commitment, if he doesn't give a return to the investors, they're just not going to trust them the next time he raises money for a fund. Right. Yeah, so exactly. how important is reputation? It's the most important thing. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and fun fact, this is off topic as well. We used to be Amazon sellers. Yeah. We were. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh, From like 2017 <laughs> to like 2020, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. nice. That's so, yeah. so crazy how much we have in common. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We literally. Well, you're entrepreneurs. You, guys <laughs> want, to make, you want to make smart investments and, you know, uh, that's, that's the way, right? Right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, man, it's been like super fun. So, so how do you? Because I know you kind of touched on a little bit, but like for like your your investors, like your private investors, how do you go about finding them? Uh, very very passively. I really don't gotcha. uh, find them. Yeah, like I I have a big mouth, you know, as you can see. <laughs> um, I I play hockey on a couple hockey teams. And nice, I'm pretty like social, like kind of outgoing guy. So honestly, I just never shut up. I talk about what I do. I really like it. I'm very passionate about my job. Like even like, we're not talking about the mortgage, the loan officer side of things, right? Where I'm finding loans for people. Yeah. I love doing that because I get to teach people about finance and search out the best deals. And I have often like 90% of the time, the best deal can come from me. I can, I can make a commission and sell that to you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, money is a commodity, right? It's apples to apples, like the best possible thing. So right. it's such an easy thing to sell. And I really love it. So I talk about that. And then I talk about what I do with the fund. And then people ask questions. And, you know, I tell them about funny stories, horror stories, whatever. And, uh, you know, we'll have a conversation like um, captain on my hockey team, like uh, asked me last week. He said, like, you know, I might be thinking of making an investment. Like, you know, can you send me some details? Yeah. And, you know, I'll just have a conversation. And usually that's how it happens. So nice. I'm not marketing or soliciting. And it's just grown very organically. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, you know, yeah. word of mouth. Yeah. We're the exact same, same way. Yeah. 100% yeah. word of mouth. It's yeah. the whole no like and trust thing. Yeah. Once you, you know, you yeah. start performing for others and people. So not only like, do we all talk? Cause we talk a lot too. We, we tell everybody about everything that we're doing, but then once you, you know, you onboard new investors and you treat them well, they talk too. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just going to say, I mean, just from the way you explain the way, you know, your fund is set up, the way you go about uh, getting investors and everything, the way, even the way you analyze deals, uh, that just says a lot about your integrity, the way you pass along things that are not going to work for you, but that they're still profitable for another type of uh, lender. Uh, I think that says a lot about your character and that, I mean, the fact that you were able to raise so much money by word of mouth, it just s speaks to what kind of person people know you to be. Right. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. So kudos to you on that yeah. for sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and to you guys too, you know what? Like six years is not a very short amount of time either. Right. So yeah. the, the more you keep doing it, like uh, in my experience, it's just, you know, it grows naturally. It's not like too fast. It's not too big. It's right. not like I'm looking for loans to put out the money. Cause I got too much money in the bank. You know, yep. I run very lean. I try to never have the money in the bank. I have some like lines of credit I can use. Yep. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it, it, reputation is the most important. You know, like people are giving me money completely. Like it's on a promissory note. Yeah. So I yeah. promise to, re I promise to repay them. Yeah. You know, if right. I was an asshole, I could, 
you know, come down to Houston and buy some property. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll end up on a Netflix series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, but you know what? If you do the right thing, there's enough money and there's enough life. And, you know, you can you can do well by investors and, and you can live very comfortably just doing the right things. So, I mean, you know, yeah, there's, no, absolutely. there's no incentive, right? Yeah, I just thought of a name for your series, The Mortgage Swindler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm man. just kidding. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, I love that series. I love that series. <laughs> uh, that was interesting. So, so we heard about hockey. So, what else are you into? It's like when you're not doing deals because we like for our audience to like to really get to know uh, the individuals that we bring on. So, when you're not you know doing deals, originating loans, or things like that. What else are you into, man? Yeah. Oh man, I have too many hobbies. I like a lot of things, um, but. Uh, there's no time. This is the problem. Like uh, I'm, I'm yeah. married, so I got a, I wife. I have a daughter who's uh, almost three, oh, and uh, nice. yeah, she's uh, you know a lot of work. That's so <laughs> lovely. Like she's amazing. Yeah. But you know, when we became parents, we realized like, oh man, like yep. so we have so little free time now. Oh, yeah. um, I had a lot of hobbies in the past, so I, I like to ride uh, dirt bikes. Like uh, we have cool. a big forest, uh, kind of like an hour away from my house, and. Uh, so we ride two-stroke dirt bikes uh, in the forest. No, 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 like crazy jumps, but more like trail riding. So a yeah. lot of hard turns and like going in between trees and stuff. Um, mountain like biking as well, a little bit. I like fishing. Nice. I really, I love fishing. So, yeah. so do I. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, like uh, I, I like something <laughs> with like a little bit of a physical aspect and like right. a mental. So like, I hate. I used to. I went. I went to the gym like for a long time, and I. I don't know. Like I kind of stopped and I never got back into it. Gotcha. I would way rather play hockey every day than go to the gym. Yes. yes. Yeah. I would rather be active, like doing something too. Right. Yes. Yeah. We the say that to each other right? all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More yeah. mentally stimulating, right? Like playing a game where you actually have to work too is, uh, is good. Right. So, you know, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, I like, uh, I have, a, I've had a guitar forever, you know, and I'm still probably like a beginner level guitar player. Nice. You know, because every everything takes time, right? And you know, like uh, I mean, you know, our, I feel like I have not had a lot of free time in the last like you know ten years. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Trust me, we get it. Yeah. We actually have three children, so oh, yep. man, two of them amazing. being girls, and yep. they're you know. Girls I are love just it. High maintenance, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Love them to death, though. But man, they, they, do they take up a lot of time? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. How old are your girls? How old's the youngest and oldest? Yeah, so the oldest is fourteen. The youngest yeah. is nine, and she'll be ten on the fifteenth of this month. Yep. And Amazing. we have a twenty-year-old son. Yep. So, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I mean, yeah, that, you know, does it get easier? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so man, this has been so much fun, so informative. It's incredible how much we have in in common, man. Yeah. Uh, so we're definitely gonna you know reach back out and bring you back on the show. Um, but for like those who are listening, who you know like what they heard, that potentially from Canada, because people listen to podcasts from all over. Uh, how how can people get in contact with you if they want to reach out? Yeah, great question. Uh, so m uh, my website is called uh, Stonefield capital.ca so stonefield is kind of like my last name is steinfeld but that's like a germanish name so steinfeld mm -hmm. is stone and field so gotcha. that's www.stonefieldmortgage.ca or sorry stone well stonefieldmortgage.ca or stonefieldcapital.ca my two websites mm -hmm. and uh i'm working on my instagram handle i think right now i'm kind of like a new underscore money underscore finance <laughs> <laughs> 
Gotcha. Uh, that's my uh, that's my Instagram, and uh, I'm working on like the TikTok and everything. I'll probably have to link back to you guys, and I'll uh, I'll send it to you so you can put it in the comments section of your or like yeah. the description of your podcast uh, later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're working on that. I, I hired a guy uh, recently to help with all that because um, you know I got really busy evaluating deals the last uh, bunch of months. Like my time is all like booked up, and I don't have so much time to work like on the business, like big right. picture, like. I want to be making TikTok videos and social media, yeah. like explaining like little snippets to people. I would love to be doing a podcast. That that other one you guys saw me on is the first one I've ever done. Oh. But really? I love talking. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So wow. you know, um, you know, it's uh, you got to grow it, but uh, you know, it's like I gotta I gotta deal with like the pressing, urgent things first, and then yes. right get to that eventually so yeah we really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to come on with us yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. because uh, we I, always, I had so much fun we always say the people that are actually working in the business really don't have a lot of time yeah. for the other stuff that's why we never put out like a paid course or anything like that because i'm like man once yeah. people start paying you're on yeah. the hook <laughs> yeah, like, that's right and i know that we wouldn't be able to dedicate that much time so yeah so that's why we do things like this podcast and uh we actually have a local meetup here in houston um where we meet with investors and uh both passive and active and just give them a place to kind of communicate and do deals together uh yep. so this podcast and that uh, meetup is our way of giving back um but yeah, man, this has been amazing. Yes, yes. I can't believe like this is that was your first like so this is your second. You can't yeah. tell, man. You're awesome. Yeah, you're you're oh, natural. Good. You're natural for sure. Very informative, very personable. Um, love this interview. Thank you for taking the time to come on with us. Uh we'll love to get you back on the on the show and go of course. Go, go even deeper. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, man. So we've and you guys too, Marcus and Lucretia. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I was like, you know, I was very humbled by uh, you know, your invitation, and I, I really appreciate it. And it's really nice to know you guys. Now I want to come to Texas. <laughs> you should. You should. You have a ball, man. Just don't, just don't come in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no worries. Yeah. yeah you... I, won't. I, I have some friends. I have a friend who has family in Houston, so maybe next time he tells me he's going to visit them, I'll tag along. Yeah. yeah. Let's do let's dinner do or something. Definitely open yeah, to yeah. it. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, David. So um, that's that's David Steinfeld, ladies and gentlemen. Like yeah. the definitely one of our top interviews. Love it. Yeah. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah. So oh, that, yeah, have me back anytime. You know, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch. And you know, I'm also interested in investments down there. I, I can probably make them. Maybe you guys will tell me how to do it as a foreigner. But uh, maybe there's a way I can get involved with you guys. Yeah, that, for sure. That that for sure. I was going to ask that. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up. For sure, we will be getting with you, David, on that for sure. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So. All right, guys. So that's it for this one. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace. Okay. Peace.